Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we so love you tonight, Father. Thank you for being our strength, our help, the lifter of our head, Lord. Father, you don't promise us as Christians that this life will be free from trouble and heartache. As a matter of fact, you told us many are the afflictions of the righteous. But you didn't stop there. You said, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So, Father, we're so grateful to know that when we go through things, you're going to work them for our good. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight, Father. You see the needs of your children. God, we just pray that you would anoint our hearts. May we be able to receive from you that which we need out of the service that will equip us to make us better people in this fight that we're in, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. Pray that you'd minister to us tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God, to be a Christian? Sam, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. God bless you. Let's turn tonight to St. John chapter 3, verse 19. We are a blessed people to be able to sit under the presence of the Lord and this spectrum of light that God is shining. God, of course, we know, lets light come in different degrees, and He allows people, according to their placing, to set under different spectrums of that light. It's amazing how light, what it can do. Uh, Light is a phenomenal thing. I like studying about light. But the different rays of light, even as they broke into the lights of the LED and fluorescent and the different types of light. But it's amazing what the spectrum of that, depending on which K you go with in that light and what it does to paint, paint on a wall, carpet on a floor. And it'll totally change the appearance of that according to the spectrum of light that's shining on it. Now, that's just what man's been able to break into. Over in our new fellowship hall, we struggled and struggled and struggled trying to find the right kind of color to be able to go on a wall. So Carol and I went to Lowe's, got different little chips, and we would have it mixed up and bring it back, put it on the wall, and it looked like homemade vanilla ice cream. Except that wasn't the color we was wanting. Now, if that's the color you're wanting, that's fine. But we got one color after another after another. And finally had to go into another family, which totally left out the yellows and the reds to mix it. And it looked totally different on the chip. And it was because of the lights. Now, if you look in here tonight, you know you've got two or three different types of lights in here. Some are yellow and some are the LED. And it'll reflect different. And it's the same with the Bible. Some people pick up their Bible and they read it under the light of the Reformation. So when they read it, the K's are so low 
they still see three. Trinitarian and Pentecostals do the same thing. Other, other people, different, you know, whatever more, and they'll read it by that. And to them, why, it, it's so true. They, they just would, would die for it. And then you and I pick up the Bible, and we read it under the fourth light. The fourth light. That's what Brother Bram called it. The fourth light. And we read it under the fourth light. Very same scriptures. Very same Bible. And we don't see three at all. We see three offices, but only one God. Amen. They'd make fun of believing in prophets, and we read from the very same Bible. We say, how in the world can they not see it? It's the spectrum of divine light that we're privileged to see it under. Amen. I hope you're grateful for that. Amen. Now, let's read about it from the master himself. St. John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. Look at this word, condemnation. Crisis, which means judgment, damnation, sentence of condemnation. Now it's amazing because this is early on in Jesus' ministry. This is just chapter three in the epistle of John. So the Lord has said very, very little, really, so far. But his presence on the earth was enough to emanate enough of the light of God that condemnation is right there already. And this is, not now that it is to come, but presently, this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Now, don't get in your mind now that this just necessarily applies to agnostics, infidels, people that don't even believe there is a God. This is not just a scripture for the Russians and the communists. This is a scripture that can apply to every individual according to the aspect of what part of light you will not take when God shows it to you. It's not just now about being saved. It Maybe it's light upon a certain besetting sin that you've got in your life or a certain pet doctrine that you'll not give up and God shows light on it, but you won't receive that light. It's the same whenever preachers said in their study and read Acts 2.38 and they still baptize in the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Their deeds are evil. So they'll turn past that scripture and will not change their form of baptism. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. May the Lord add the blessings to the readings of his word. You may be seated. God bless you. <clears throat> no matter what it is, we need light for every aspect of our life. Us brothers that are married, we need the light of God to shine on our hearts, to help us love our wives right. We need, as fathers, the love of God to shine upon our hearts to help us to be able to love our children. 
You can see from the New Testament writing, one of the deepest churches in the New Testament, the church at Ephesus, and yet Paul had to write some pretty simple things to some of the brothers there in the church about loving their wives the right way and not provoking their children to wrath and certain ways to be able to deal with their children and with their wives because they had not yet been illuminated in the right way of how to be the right kind of a husband. Now, election, predestination, my, the gifts, all that, apparently they had it, had it in perfect order. But yet, when it comes to some of the more principal, everyday things of life, Paul had to write some pretty simple things to them that he didn't even have to write to the Corinthian church was a pretty, pretty shallow church. But yet, it takes the light of God shining on every aspect of our lives to help pull us into the divine harmony of what God wants us to be. For some, it's, you know, it's more simple than it, it is others. According to how they were raised, according to what tradition they bring with them in the message, and when they come into the light of the message, some feel that that light of the introductory stage of the message eradicates all the darkness in their life. Ah, oh, but that's not the way it happens. You see, it will shine upon the position of that messenger so you will be able to gain confidence in the position that God gave him. And then God will use him and the other ministry to further lead you into the unfolding of more light to bring you to the state of completion. So people stop at the introductory stage of God sending a prophet and the rest of their life they spend in the message just rejoicing on how great the message was. And they're so thankful for how great the message was and they just love the message or what they know about it with all their hearts and they never really get into the word itself so God can use that messenger and the faithful taught ministries out from under the divine protocol of God to further illuminate their lives on giving, on forgiving, on mercy, on patience, on tenderness, on kindness and they think why do I need that for well because it's in the Bible it's in the message of the hour and what does God do to illuminate that well God takes the gifts that he himself dispersed in 2,000 years of church ages now he receives those gifts according to the way that the psalmist David said that he received gifts for men and then Paul tells us of course in Ephesians 4 that he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men so he he received the gifts from the Father in his humanity, and then he comes back in the form of the Holy Ghost, and he disperses those gifts among men. Then God will use those gifts in order to be able to further dispense the light of God. A pastor is called a certain way, and if you're familiar with the message in 1963, that the prophet terms it very strange, and he's 
said, a prophet is a very special man. And he will go, and then he goes from the prophet, and then he talks about the apostle being a special man. And then he says, the teacher is a special man. Well, by the time he gets done with all fivefold ministry, he says every one of them was special. So it lets you know that all of them are special. So they are offices that God places in the body by which he himself will anoint that gift in the lives of those men and further bring the light of God in the lives of the sheep. So God will use the pastor in one way, an evangelist another way, a teacher in another way. So you can see then why Satan would want to stop the expanding of that illumination of light in the lives of individuals so he can knock them out of receiving the light that a God-called pastor will bring. A pastor and evangelist might take the same text. They might read some of the same quotes. But the gift, the diversification of the gift will expound upon it differently according to the office itself. Now, there are some churches in the message that do believe, of course, in the ministry but what I've found over, over the years with some of them are is they have a problem not believing that God actually has evangelists and teachers and pastors and so on. But their main struggle is really being able to set under a God call pastor. Because they'll get one, they don't like him, they get rid of him. They'll get another, they get rid of him. They get another, they get rid of him. But they really like their favorite of the fivefold is actually evangelists. So evangelists will come, preach faith, preach healing, preach all kinds of things. Most evangelists are just not going to delve in the realm of where a pastor is. So they, you know, they, they like that type of preaching. But they really have an issue with a pastor's office of men of God that would come and send them there in the pastor's position and set the church where it ought to be. So what do they do? They just go from one to another to another and they wind up with a puppet, which they call a pastor, which basically will be manipulated by the boards or they will just constantly call evangelists in and live on one evangelistic service after another after another. Now will they be be able to make it under the illumination of just evangelistic preaching. They will not. They will not because God never sent evangelists to be able to be the constant feeding source in a body. But God gave an evangelist to come and the prophet tells us what the evangelist would do. But God never meant for an evangelist or this one or that one or the other one or their favorite five to be able to come. They are not shepherds. They do not have a shepherd's heart. So they will come and bring and do all that they can do and they will help them and give their very heart but that church will never go on very far because they're only living on an evangelistic level when God wants to have a God called pastor in there that will be able to get the burden of the people on his heart and the people will get under that ministry and they will all pull together and labor together and grow and be what God 
wants that body to be. Now, if the prophet was the only and it was the most perfect of all of them, then God did wrong by starting out this ministry 2,000 years ago on an apostolic foundation because the first call that the Lord Jesus made in the fivefold ministry in the New Testament was not evangelist. It was not pastors, it was not teachers, it was not prophets, but it was apostles. Now the word apostle means one sin. So he called 12 apostles. Now I know a lot of the message folks don't like this, but according to the way Paul wrote it in the book of Corinthians, first are apostles, secondarily prophets, then teachers and pastors and so on. Even the foundation of the heavenly city has the names of the 12 apostles in the foundation of the city. So if Satan can do what he wants to do, he would want to get the message followers off the foundation of apostolic doctrine. So they tear their very foundation out from under them. And this is why many of them really don't believe the Bible in the first place. They really don't read their Bible. They don't base their faith on their Bible. You take quotes away from them, they wouldn't know hardly anything about it anyway because they feel like Brother Branham come to replace the Bible. You believe a lie. If you believe that, you believe a lie. God never sent his prophet to teach contrary to the Bible. Actually, the very opposite, he sent to lead us back to the Bible faith. Is that right? So God knew what he was doing when he started it out on the foundation of the apostles. But he also knew that there would be other folds of the ministry that would be necessary. Now, originally, deacons are not in the original call of God. Uh, uh, trustees are not in the call of God as far as the original ministry. Uh, Sunday school superintendents, Sunday school teachers, none of those things are actually in the Bible. So then if we're going to have them, and we do, and we need them, then they all must be operated under the protocol of the offices which are scriptural. You see, a trustee's office is not a scriptural office. A Sunday school leader is not a scriptural office. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. So what, what are we going to do with them? Well, those offices have to operate under the divine protocol of God. So every one of them will have to operate and function under what? A God-called pastor. That is God's way of doing it that way. Now, he could have set it up where he said, well, I want a mayor, and I want a governor, and I one of this, but God didn't want it that way. He wanted a pastor and teachers and evangelists, but God also knew there would be helps in the church. God knew that the church would get to a spot that it would go past the initial apostolic stage, and the church would have to have buildings, and that that have property, and that have this and that and the other, and God gave them trustees, men that would be able to watch over all of that. Thank God for it. God knew that we'd need song leaders. They never had song leaders in the book 
book of Acts. They never had many of the things that we had, but the church went on and it began to change, of course. And God said in there those things, I'm so glad that God gave us a provision in the message of the hour whenever we'd have trustees and we would have the guidelines of the way trustees ought to do. And we would have guidelines of the way a song leader ought to do. And we would have guidelines of the way Sunday school teachers ought to do because we do not find them in the pages of the Bible. Praise the Lord. So what did God do? God gave it now, and each of these that God adds into the body will bring divine illumination in order to keep the saints of God where they need to be. Now, let me read you this in Ephesians 4.11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now, for some of our message people around the message who feel like that there are certain people that do need pastors And of course, a lot of them don't, they think. And they take this verse of scripture and they say, well, he gave some, like you all. He gave you all a pastor because you all aren't as deep and you all aren't as revelated. So he gave some pastors, but everybody didn't need them. Uh, Actually, you're adding to the word of God when you say that. Now watch this in the American Standard Version, the ASV of Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. It was not that he was given some and some he wouldn't, but he actually gave some to be apostles. Notice this in the Young's literal translation of the Bible. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as proclaimers of good news, some as shepherds and teachers. So it was not that the Lord Jesus said, well, there will be some down to the ages and they're going to be kind of the weak side of my body and, and, and they'll need pastors and shepherds but, but there'll be others and they'll be really uh, super spiritual Christians. They're, they're message believers on steroids we'll say. And so they won't need pastors and they will need teachers and going to church and all that sort of thing. But that's not the way God founded his church is it? Now notice Paul goes on to say in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, and we closed out with this last Wednesday night, and the word perfecting means complete furnishing or equipping. So the word rendered perfecting is derived from a root word which signifies to mend what is broken or to complete what is unfinished. To mend what is broken or complete that which is unfinished. Now, the ministry does not make you sinless. Remember they asked Brother Branham in question and answer 1964, Brother Branham, uh, we, we don't have a church and should we come where the fivefold ministry is for the perfecting? Now, Brother Branham said, now, Brother Sister, I know these people, they're from out of town. They're not here today. Now, he said, the perfecting, the, your perfection comes from the blood of the Lord Jesus. So some of the anti-ministry people, of course, try to take this quote and make Brother Branham say something contrary to the Scripture. You see, when we take his quotes and we make the message say one thing and the Bible say something else, we are in danger of hellfire. 
It's a serious thing, friends. Now, Brother Branham goes on to explain that it is not preachers that makes us perfect in the sense of sinlessness. But Paul in Ephesians 4 is not referencing sinlessness. He is referencing being complete. So you come to the house of God and an evangelist is going to preach that night. And an evangelist, you know, the Lord lays on his heart about faith or maybe something of, you know, whatever it be that the congregation would need. And it helps you to get exactly what you needed in that service to help your faith rise up a little bit higher because you had a need of healing in your body. So what did God do? God spoke through that gift and it furnished you with a little bit more of a boost in your life to help you reach out there and grab a hold of that promise and claim it as your own. So it wasn't that he helped you become more sinless and become more godly. No, but he was there to help equip you in that service. Well, a pastor would come he'd go a little different direction. A teacher would come. A missionary would come. It'd be a little bit different. So God knows exactly what he's doing, does he not? Notice this. Paul goes on to say, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's not that God wants us to be like Donnie Reagan, be like Tim Pruitt, be like you know Ron Spencer, to be like Brother Branham. We're not aiming to be like any of those men. The image we have before us is the Lord Jesus. It's not even Brother Branham. Why would I settle to be like Brother Branham when God wants me to be like him? Why would you settle to be like me? I'm a mortal that makes mistakes. You don't want to make me, my friends, as the image that you want to attain to. You want to attain to this image right here, the Lord Jesus himself. Now, remember, we've been talking about getting in the spirit, and people all over the world are getting under the influence of spirits. Truly, it is pre-tribulation time, so we can see the people of the earth getting under pre-tribulation anointing. We can see so much going on around the world. We can see all the rights and this and that and the other uh, that is going on, and my, they're having their their big pride marches and all that. Uh, They may be proud now. They ain't going to be too proud when they stand before the Lord God one day. That's exactly right. But yet we know that's prophecy and it must come to pass. And people are getting in the spirit of it. And the big corporations are in the spirit of it. They want you to know whose side they're on so they will put their rainbows up on Amazon and they will put their rainbows up in Target if you order on Target and Walmart and whatever more. That little symbol, you imagine taking God's covenant symbol that he gave to Noah and hijacking that symbol as a symbol of perversion. Praise the Lord. But yet we know it must be. And what are they doing? They're getting under the spirit. The world is getting under the spirit of sodomy. And yet many of the people of the earth will never become sodomites themselves. But they compromise in order to keep their corporate position, in order to keep people from boycotting them so they will identify with them and they'll let a woman walk into a man's bathroom and use the bathroom or vice versa and you hear what the Supreme Court's doing and all that sort of thing. I've told you before, they don't want equal rights. They want yours. 
They want their rights and they want to shut you up and shut me up and we're supposed to bow down to them. Well, I've got news for the devil and I've got news for the left and I've got news for the man in the White House. We ain't shutting up. We're still proclaiming what we believe to be the truth. Well, come on now, saints. But everybody is getting under the spirit of something. And I think sometimes that the message people feel like, well, we're not a part of that. We're not a part of Sodom. We're not a part of many of the things out there in the world. But that don't mean that we're free from getting under the influence of spirits. Now, you know, one of the spirits that has been around this message for years and years is the spirit that only Brother Branham should preach and that other preachers should not preach. He dealt with it, of course, whenever he was here. He himself struck it. And there are people that will never be sodomites. They will never commit adultery. They would never, some of the women will never cut their hair, but yet they will laugh at the minister, they'll make fun of it, and all sorts of things, and they're just heading just as straight as they can go for the tribulation period. Because does it really matter to God which verse in the scripture you deny? As I said last Wednesday night, whether it's Malachi 4 or Ephesians 4 or 1 Thessalonians 4 or Revelation 4 or Ezekiel 4 or Genesis 4? Does it really matter to God? When we deny one of his words, we are perverted. Now watch Brother Branham in 1953. This spirit was already there. Well, they say, I don't need anybody to teach me glory to God. I got the Holy Ghost. Well, then the Holy Ghost was wrong when it said it set in the church teachers. God put them in the church as teachers. That settles it. Why did he put teachers in there if the Holy Ghost is going to do all the teaching? Huh? 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 All right, he said, see, what people needs is their brains baptized. They need, I'm not sure what good that would do, but that's what he said. They need their brains baptized besides their water, whatever that means. That's right, all right, excuse that sharp expression, but I like to really let her soak in. My, my. Notice question answer 54. Someone said not long ago, well, Brother Random, we don't need anybody to teach us. 1954. When the Holy Ghost comes, we don't need anybody to teach. Said the Bible said, you don't need teaching. I said, then why did the same Holy Spirit set in the church teachers? See, he set the church in order. We got to have teachers. That's right. But you ought to have, you don't have to teach you saying, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not swear. You already know that. Your very conscience of the Holy Spirit tells you that is wrong to do that. But now as far as the scriptural teaching, it takes the Holy Spirit, oh my, it takes a Holy Ghost anointed. A Holy Ghost anointed. So what does God do? God anoints an office in the church. My, my. That's right. And God is set in the church by order, by apostles and prophets, gifts of healings and miracles and so forth. He set the church in order and put the teachers so forth in there to guide and direct his church. And the church said... You say, well, glory to God. The Bible said when the Holy Ghost has come, you don't need any teacher. He's the teacher himself. Oh, brother, how can you be 
not so deep, not so profound, not so wonderful. You are so little. How can you be, oh my, my, so little from reading the script, scripture? Why did the Holy Ghost set teachers in the church then? Say, I don't have to have anybody teach me. The Holy Ghost teaches me. It does, he says, through a teacher. Well, praise the Lord. Now, you see, we are going to get in the spirit of this or we're going to get into the spirit of fighting this. You see, it's not just about homosexuality. It's not just about perversion. It's not just about politics in the world. It will be about every aspect of our life because truth has the spirit. Many folks have a truth, but they don't have the spirit of truth that goes with it. I don't just want truth because if you've just got truth without the spirit, your truth is residing in your head. But this message is not a message of the head. It's a message of the heart. He shall turn the hearts of the children, not the heads. My it does through a teacher. He said, teachers in the church, and he said, are all teachers, are all apostles, are all gifts of healing. The Holy Ghost set these things in the church. He operates them all. And each one of them operates orderly. My, my, notice again, he said, oh, I know there's many. Rise up and go out and say, oh, I don't need to go to church anymore. Praise God, the Holy Ghost has come. He's the teacher. When you get that idea, you're just. Do we believe what he said? Why? That's a scriptural voice. So the voices that are saying we don't need preachers, we don't need church, we don't need one another. Friends, it's not just the part of you needing to be here in attendance. You need the fellowship of your brothers and sisters. You don't just come just to sing and and to rejoice and you don't just come to church just even to hear the word. Yes, that's so important, but it's so important as a family of God that we assemble ourselves together and get strength and not only come to get, but come to give. Come to give and minister back to the Lord and minister back to your brothers and sisters that you are part of the family of God with. Why did the Holy Ghost set teachers in the church if he's going to be the teacher? See, there are first apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, the Holy Spirit. Notice this, the Holy Spirit set teachers in the church so he could teach through that teacher. So this is amazing. When I push play, this is what I hear him say. Then I get up in the pulpit and then I preach what I just pushed play to say. Well, praise the Lord. Notice again, five spiritual offices in the church to set the church in order. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, these are all called offices by God. Then in the local congregation, there's nine spiritual gifts that work among the people. Now in these offices and places, in the offices, you hear from the apostle. Notice, the apostle 
his ministry. You hear from the prophet, his ministry, from the evangelist. But now wait a minute. We've got voices in the land that say the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists should basically stop preaching and just push play. How are you going to hear from me if I push play? What is it, folks, getting in that spirit? Oh, I know you wonder, why in the world are you striking it, my friends? It's circling the globe. It's going around this world, that spirit. Notice, you hear from the prophet, his ministry, from the evangelist, from the teacher, from the pastor. Each has a separate ministry, and their ministries is of God. God has set them in the church for this purpose. Now, what's this? Question answers on the seal. Now, this great time, whenever some of the greatest things that's ever been preached has been spoke right now during this time frame. Would the bride of Christ have a ministry before the rapture? Sure. That's what's going on right now, see? The bride of Christ, certainly. It's the message of the hour, see? The bride of Christ, she consists of Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Is that right? That's the bride of Christ. Sure, she's got a ministry. Great ministry. It's the ministry of the hour. It'll be so humble. Wow, so here Brother Branham has a privilege to be able to set this thing straight and forward and say it will come a time that the message people will no longer follow the apostolic pattern of the Bible. When I am gone, it will switch over to the perfect thing, which is the tapes. Brother Branham, you've got the opportunity. Why didn't you say it? Because that ain't what he believed. He was a word prophet. Now watch. Listen carefully so, so you don't misunderstand me. If Brother Branham's message is not to be preached by preachers, it proves to you and I, Brother Branham's message is in no way compare to the message of the Lord Jesus or the message of Paul or the message of Peter or the message of John, or any of the message of the brothers in the book of Acts. Because all of their messages were to be propagated by God-called men. So if we pull Brother Branham out of that type and say Brother Branham's message was only supposed to be preached by him, and him only, then we remove Brother Branham from being Malachi 4, Luke 17, Revelation 10. He is not a word prophet. He is a cult leader. Whoo, hallelujah. But you see, he is not a cult leader. He is a word prophet. So what did he do? He didn't ordain tape players. He didn't ordain Wallen Sacks. He didn't ordain reel-to-reels. Brother Brown never ordained S. 
SD cards and cassette players and CD players and all that sort of thing. But what did he ordain? Men. Faulty, flawed men. Why? He was a word prophet. Notice Paul, the first one in 2 Timothy 4, 1. First church age messenger. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Now here is the apostolic pattern that was come forth from the Lord Jesus right on down to the first church age messenger. So if Brother Branham was, and we believe he is, a church age messenger, he could not break the pattern or he could not be the church age messenger. You see, every true church age messenger would be the closest one to the in the age that would approximate the original church age messenger, which was Paul. Is that right? Notice this, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, oh my goodness. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Boy, that leaves a bunch of these modern day puppets out, don't it? Because they don't reprove nor rebuke. Well, that's what a God called preacher does. Whenever sin's there, he feels that of the Holy Ghost. He rebukes it, he reproves it. That shows he's a real God called man. Now here is the original pattern. So how then can folks say they believe every word Brother Redham said and they've been restored back to the apostolic faith and do not believe this portion of the word? Well, you'll have to answer that on your own, I guess. Notice this in the church age book, page 15. Now remember this, Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how the antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. Let me tell you something, friend, as a friendly reminder. This is why I never, want our church to be cold, lukewarm, powerless, and formal. I say it again for those of you that are worried sick that whenever we relocate, we're not gonna take the Spirit of God with us. What have you been eating for supper? Why in the world would we not want the Spirit of God? You think God lives in this building right here? God lives in this building right here, and that building, and that building, and that building. He loves the fellowship with his children. Why would he want to stay here if we're going to be over there? Come on, somebody, enlighten me. If you've got some enlightenment, I want to be where he is, and that's only half the story. He wants to be where I am. Praise be to God. The prophet of God said, God goes to church. Where does he go to church at? Where the church is. <laughs> well, hallelujah, he goes to church where the church is. My now we know exactly from the word which was recorded by the Holy Spirit how this first or original church was founded and how God manifested himself in her. The word can change or be changed because he is the word of God. St. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. To change one word of it as did Eve bring sin and death 
even as it says in Revelation 22, 18, 19, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Can you imagine some of the message people? They're as sincere as they can be. They listen to tapes every day of their life and they're gonna wake up in the tribulation period and the same plagues that are on the homosexuals are gonna be on them. The same plagues are going to be on them. That's going to be on the rest of the world. Why? They added to the word of God. They took away from the word of God. And many of them will stand there at the white throne judgment. And their name will not be found written in the book. Why? Because they took pastor out. They took teacher out. They took evangelist out. Friends, this is a serious thing. This is nothing to play with. Your soul is at stake. Your soul your soul is at stake when you go to handling God's word. Oh my, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Thus, oh glory, what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. Get, do not get in your mind California, Azusa Street, 1906. Get in your mind a staggering bunch of drunks in Jerusalem. Amen. Get out of your mind. Some of you let that old scarecrow scare you to death. Get that out of your mind. I'm talking about that original word born, Holy Ghost filled church. What the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is, you said. There is no other pattern. My, my, now this is not just the truth, but there's a spirit that goes with this truth, and this is what I want us to be under. Amen. The spirit of truth. Not that we hate anybody, no. Not that we despise people, no. No, we, we, we don't go along with what people do. We don't go along with what they say. We love the sinner, but hate their sins. And if we can't do that, we need another dip in the Holy Ghost. Notice, so Branham Tabernacle, is not the pattern. Happy Valley Church is not the pattern. The church at Ephesus is not the pattern. The pattern, oh glory, was on the day of Pentecost. Notice this, God has not changed that pattern. But message people have. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until 1966, until 1970, 1977, until the church ages close. Then it will carry on right down to the very day of the rapture itself. It cannot change with Brother Branham. It cannot change. And you say, why are you saying that? Because Satan wants to get in and around this message and get us to put quotes together that would make an image of a different church, make it look different, make it act different. And the prophet of God, oh, 
boy, his heart would bleed if he could hear some of the stuff that people have done with his message. It must follow, but it don't mean we have to follow it. We will not follow error. We're going to stay right with the prophet's message. Oh, my. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church ages close. So the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost and they all got up and got drunk. Peter stepped out there and pushed play and played a tape recording of the Lord Jesus. Now the Lord Jesus was the literal voice of God. So if tapes was original in the perfect way, they should have had them back 2,000 years ago and just play the sermon on the mount, you know, on the woman at the well and play all them sermons over and over again. But you see, that ain't the way Jesus started it. And it ain't the way he's going to end it. I believe in push and play. But as I mentioned to you the other night, God called man, the Holy Ghost presses his play and he starts saying it. Notice this, the true church will always try to be like the original church at Pentecost. The true church of today. Anybody believe it? Well, try to approximate that early first one. Oh, my. You have to work, jump on down in that paragraph, from the original, as like begets like. The true church will always be the one that tries to follow in the steps, oh, my, of her founders at Pentecost. And her messengers will follow the apostle Paul. The first messenger to the first church age. It is that simple and that wonderful. Amen. I believe that same thing, don't you? It is that simple and that wonderful. We don't need something down in the end time that's going to change it around. Why would we want to change it when it's brought us right back to the original pattern and the Holy Ghost moving among us doing what he said he would do? Why would we want to trade it off? Satan can't stand it. There There is not another message on the earth that Satan fights and hates like this one. is a true vine and a false vine. But of course, that false church, false vine body will always try to usurp the position of the true church. We see it. Every doctrine that ever comes, this is the one. Boy, this is only the bride right here. This is only the bride. Every one of them, every one of them goes right in that same direction. And when you see it, you know it's come full term and it's come to the culmination, fixing to produce the son of perdition because they've joined themselves in union with the spirit of Antichrist. And when they do, they'll lock it up. They'll seal it up tight. We know who's going. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You go to taking the place of God, which is spiritual Catholicism. You go to putting people in and putting them out. Look, you don't know who's going to be saved. I don't know who's 
is going to be saved. Let's just go on and be what God's called us to be. Let God be God. Let God be God. We don't know who's going to be saved. But you see, when they go to doing this, they have conceived an illegitimate seed and they're going to bring forth bastards according to the word of God. It will never produce that original church. They'll fight it. They'll stand against it. But the true church will always try to approximate that original church. They will believe in the supernatural. They'll believe in the power of God. They'll believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They'll believe in laying hands on the sick. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. They'll believe in having all time Holy Ghost meetings. My, my. Notice this. The false vine body will always try to assert the position of the true church and contend that she and not the elect are the real and authentic. This is one of the best signs you got right here that they're the false vine. When they reach that stage of culmination for most of them, there's no turning back. Notice the false will try to kill the true. The true will never try to kill. Come on, saints. No, they'll stand against error. They'll stand against false teaching. But they are not called to be those who usurp death. But watch that false find. Oh, they'll make videos, they'll do this, they'll make up stories, they'll lie, they'll do everything in the world they can do. And they would physically kill us today if they could get by with it. This is how it was in the book of Acts. This is how it is set forth in the seven ages. That is how it is declared in the various epistles. It is how it has been. This is how it is now. This is how it will be. It can't change. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I I see your problem, do you? Help me. Oh, Brother Donnie, what it is, you you, you don't understand that it's a one-man message. No, actually, I think I do understand that. God uses one man to bring it, but not just one man to preach it. It is a one-man message. I agree totally. Praise the Lord. But not just one man preaches it. If so, that's a sign of a cult. It's not apostolic form if one man brings it and one man preaches it. It is not the doctrine of the apostles. Well, I kind of liked that. The Lord gave me that the other day. I guess y'all didn't like it as well as I did. Now, notice this. In every age, my, if you don't know this quote, y'all to memorize it. Page 156, in every age, we have exactly the same pattern. That is why the light, remember what we started out with now? The light comes through some God-given messenger. God does not have a half a dozen prophets on the earth at the same time. And they bring together a composite message. And this one gets the truth on election and gets, and gets the truth on church order. And this one gets the truth on this. And they all get together and they have joint meetings and they agree. God calls one man. And God will anoint that one man to become the seer of the age. And he will see with that prophetic insight he brings it down 
and then teach others and they will take that same message that he brought. It's not theirs no more than it is his. It belongs to God. And they will take that same message and propagate it and by doing that they will cause one verse after another after another after another. That is apostolic as sure as there's a God in heaven. Praise God. Now watch this, get this clear. In every age we have exactly the same pattern. That is why the light comes through some God-given messenger in a certain area. And then from that messenger, there spreads the light, uh-oh, through the ministry of others. Now we're apostolic. You see, Brother Branham was a word prophet. He could not preach something contrary to the Bible. Now watch, through the ministry of others who have been faithfully taught. But of course, all those who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. Remember, Paul warned the people to say only what he said. But he warned them to say what he said, not play what he said. To say only what he said, 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. What? Came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? They add here, take away there, and soon the message is no longer pure and the revival dies down. All oh, children, can't you see? Even if the pastor don't do it, if you start doing it as an individual, well, I don't think we need this no more. I don't think we need that no more. Don't you understand what happens to you as an individual? The revival fires will die down in you as an individual. It applies the same way to an individual as it does a family, as it does a church, as it does an age. But you know what? What's going to happen then to those who say what he said, who believe what he said, who preach what he said, they're going to stay in revival. They're going to stay in revival because they're feeding right on that word and they love the Lord more than they've ever loved him. Oh, they'll have good days and bad days, sure. But down inside of them, the revival is burning because they're still feeding on that pure, unadulterated word. Amen. How careful we all, my, we must be to hear one voice. For the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Paul warned them to say what he said. Well, uh, 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 but, uh, but, 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 there's only one voice, and that's the voice of God. And then he says, and Paul warned them to say what he said. Wait, 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 wait a minute. So you mean other men were the reverberation of the voice of God? There's only one voice. You see, the same Spirit of God that anointed Paul was anointing Timothy. And he become the voice, not as a prophet, no, of course not. He was never a prophet, Timothy wasn't. He was a pastor. And the, and the prophet told him to do the work of an evangelist. But when the Holy Ghost took him over, it was Jesus speaking through his pastor. So what was it? He was speaking the voice of God. So there is only one voice. But when you try to make that one voice, Brother Branham, you just again added to the word of God. Oh my, 
Paul warned them to say what he said, even as Peter did. Likewise, he warned them that even he, Paul, could not change one word of what he said given by revelation. Oh, how important it is to hear the voice of God by way of his messengers. And the church said, and then, oh my how important it is to hear the voice of God by the way of his messengers and then oh my goodness so you've got to hear what they say and then you've got to say it too and then say what has been given, oh my, had been given to them to say to the churches, so not play, but say. Amen. Amen. Oh my. You see, he says, now it says God is going to restore. The Lutheran age did not restore the church. It started a reformation. The Western age did not restore. The Pentecostal age did not restore. But God has to restore for he cannot deny his word. This is not the resurrection of the church. It is the restoration. God will take the church right back to mm -mm, Pentecost of the beginning. God isn't going to plant. My friends, this is what a lot of message folks, people believe. They believe in a brand new move on a new cart. It's never been before. They need no scriptures. They don't even care what the scripture says. No way. They don't need no scriptures because the way they've got the message put together and they've got the quotes put together, this is perfectly right with them and they're laying it right up on a cart and they're rolling it right into the people's homes and trying to conquer churches. Can you imagine a prophet of God? A brother sent me a quote this week where he was listening to it and Brother Brandon was talking about he was in a meeting and he was going to have a, a service. He was going to have a prayer line. And he told the people, now it's going to be on Sunday afternoon. Now he said, all of you people that have a church in the morning, we want you to go to your home church. We don't want you to skip out now on your church. Now he said, if you need prayer and you need, you're sick in your body, you go to your pastor and ask your pastor for his permission for you to be able to come and be prayed for. He said, because we're not here to fight your churches. Wow. Can you imagine? Boy, we'll never hear that push play, will we? Ask your pastor. Why? Brother Branham was apostolic. Brother Branham did not go in there to destroy the churches and just to set up tape libraries everywhere and let everybody stop going to church. How many times, if you haven't heard it, you need to, and you need to watch whenever he had come to the end of a campaign. And he would say, now you people that's given your heart to the Lord, look up some of these preachers here. Go to their churches. Be baptized. Take on Christian baptism. If you don't, you will dry up. You will die. When he left India, what did he say? After all of those thousands, tens of thousands of people, and I stood right there at the little church where he preached, and there was thousands and thousands of people there in the city of Bombay. And he refers to it back here later. He said, what happened to all them believers? He said, there was not even one Pentecostal church for me to send them to. And he said, what happened to them? They went back to the Sikhs and the Jains and the Buddhists. Well, my goodness, they had all kinds of tapes. Why didn't they send a tape library over there and set it up? 
You mean to tell me Brother Branham wouldn't send a tape library over there, let a little bit of money get in the way, and let all them souls? No, that was not the apostolic way. Amen. He wanted to leave them, oh my, going to a church that believed what? The baptism of the Holy Ghost that preached the power of God. Oh my, it wasn't there whenever he was there then, but I am a living witness to tell you there are Holy Ghost-filled churches all over India that believe this apostolic word as I stood right there in the same area where Thomas went to and preached this same gospel, I thought what an opportunity to stand right here near where old Apostle Thomas was able to come through and preach the Lord Jesus and water baptism in his name and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I nearly had me a good Holy Ghost spell thinking that the gospel had come full circle back to India again. One day, brother, sister, the last one will come in and we'll be gone. Why? We're getting under the spirit of the word. We don't want the influence of some of these people. We want the spirit of the word to live in us. Oh, my. My. Notice this. We are promised a messenger in the last days. Malachi 4 said that would restore the faith of the children back to the fathers. The Pentecostal children that's getting away from it, it'll bring them back to the original message of the original Pentecost. Hallelujah, I feel religious. Hallelujah, I do too. I will restore, God has a provided way today. Listen to what he says it is. It's a restored Pentecost. Back to the same things, the same signs, the same message. Amen. There you are. That's God's pattern. Oh, Brother Donnie, you only say that because you come out of Pentecost. I say that because I'm word born. I'm word born, I'm spirit fed. I, my heart has been turned back by the west of that original apostolic doctrine. Come on children, it's the truth. God never sent no prophet to go contrary to the Bible. He never taught us contrary to the Bible. It's people that's got in there and align this quote with that one and this one with that one and they don't go back to checking with the scripture and they wind up making a mess out of things. My, remember this other one was to restore the faith of the children back to the fathers. Restore the faith of the children back to the faith of the fathers, the original Bible. We got anybody here tonight that says that's who I am? That's the kind of believer I am. I am a restored, original Bible-believing Christian. The first seal must have felt kind of odd, him talking about himself here. This man is not a reformer. He's a revealer. Now he's talking about the seventh angel. A revealer of what? The mysteries of God. Where the church has got it all tied up and everything. He's to come forth with the word of God and reveal the thing out. Because he is to restore the faith of the children back to the fathers. The original Bible faith is to be restored by the seventh angel. <laughs> the original Bible faith is to be restored by the seventh angel. Well, how can we say we've been restored if we don't even believe the Bible? Whew. 
in Malachi 4 to restore the face of the children back to the face of the Pentecostal fathers and the original gospel. He promised it and he'll do it. And Happy Valley Church said, how many wants to be that type of a believer? Let's stand. Now remember, there was five true identifications of the true church of the living God. The second one is this. Now let's go to the second thought so we can try to get through all of it. Who set it up? That is its mystical body. Who started this? Here's the answer. Jesus Christ. He is the head of this mystical body. He is the king over it, working his own will in his dominion. Not a bishop's control or a church board's control, but a king, which is Messiah himself working in his own domain. When did it begin? At Pentecost, not the Pentecostal organization, the Pentecostal experience. That's when it began with you. Friends, this is the very reason why some of the message folks fight this, because they've never yet had that true, original Pentecostal experience. How could you fight it if you have it? If you ever get it, you'll love it more than you love life itself. Every preacher, you notice them that fights it. You just mark it and you watch it. That won't be the only thing there'll be an error on. There'll be error here, there, there, and there. What are they missing? The true baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My, my. Not until Pentecostal organization, the Pentecostal experience, that's when it began with you. He spoke of its coming. He said what would take place. He told us it was coming. May I say, praise God, we have arrived. I want to be in the spirit of truth. Don't you? I hope you understand this. Now listen carefully. People can embrace truth here, but have the spirit of error here. And they will pull that truth from here down through the spirit of error here. Time it comes out here, it's false doctrine. It's not enough to have the knowledge of truth. You must have the spirit of truth in your soul. But as you hear and you're taught and you listen and you believe, then that unites with that spirit of truth inside of your soul. What comes out of your mouth? Word, 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 word. But if you got it up here and you got the spirit of error down here and you'll pull it down in it, I don't believe that. I don't like that. I don't like, well, the prophet of God said this. I'll tell you one thing. We don't even need the Bible no more. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you what some of them believe. Some of them believe we're even beyond Brother Branham. They don't believe, they don't believe that Brother Branham's even the main one no more. They believe it's Brother Joseph Branham. That's where they think they're all rallying around that and they think it's beyond Brother Branham. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If this church ever gets to a spot where you think you don't need Brother Branham, you don't need me either. We need this prophet. We need this message. Praise the Lord. Oh, my. Let's pray together. Oh, friend, make sure 
that's where you started. Well, Brother Donnie, I started the serpent seed doctrine. I, no, no, no. Not a doctrine, friends. Make sure that the Pentecostal experience started in you. That your soul was burst. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. I know, Lord Jesus, it has to go this way. Brother Bram knew it would. He mentions it in Shreveport in 1963, that the pattern is the same. You send a messenger, the people don't recognize it. Then after he's gone, they garnish his tomb, make a memorial out of him. But they don't take really what he said. It's so sad to say, but so many of the people around our ranks are doing exactly the same thing. They make a memorial out of Brother Branham. They make a memorial. They want a, a little wallet like his or a little shell like his or hold their Bible a certain way, the way he had held his. And, oh, God, I, I, want, I want that Lord Jesus he had in his soul. I don't want to carry my Bible so much like him. I want you, Lord. It won't be packing my Bible the way he packed his. It'll give me authority over demons. Lord Jesus, give me power to live right. It'll be if my experience began at Pentecost. The new birth, the reality of the soul. Help us tonight, I pray, Father. May you search every heart, men, women, boys, girls. Those present, those that will stream, those that will archive. Father God, we must know that we have passed from death unto life and we have had that true Pentecostal experience. Not just jumping, shouting, screaming, hollering. That's not what he's referring to. He's referring to God dividing himself and coming in them people's souls on the day of Pentecost. That's what happened that day. For the great pillar of fire, the Messiah himself, come down and divided himself in baptism of the Holy Ghost form. And a lick went into Peter, one into John, one into Andrew, one into Mary. On and on and on, 120 of them. Praise God. It was God giving birth to himself in the form of a church. You had already set your pattern. Glory to God. 33 and a half years before that, when God gave birth to himself, a human body, through that perpetuation, you broke the blood cell. Now they had accepted it. And it made a way through the perpetuation of that blood that you could break yourself apart again and walk in their souls in the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a way that you could not do in the Old Testament. The anointing came on Moses and it left him. He walked into the pillar of fire. A man walked out God, but it left him. Ezekiel, the Spirit of God entered into him, but it left him. But the blood of the Lord Jesus made a way that our souls could be so cleansed and the sin question so settled that you could walk in our souls and never leave us again and seal our souls into the day of our redemption. Praise God. That's what true Pentecost is, Lord. Lord, if there's one, if there's many, 
under the sound of my voice tonight, Lord, that's never been there. May they not be satisfied by just coming to this church. May they not be satisfied by saying, I'm in the message. May they never be satisfied until God himself comes in their soul and seals them and they are just as saved as God himself. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then no matter what comes or goes, sickness, trouble, false doctrine, nothing will ever be able to shake them. Because they're born by the breath of God. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight, Father. May that same Holy Spirit that fell there in that upper room that day, if there's any here tonight, Lord, that don't have you, may that pillar of fire come down right among us again tonight, Lord. May there be hearts that will be just as open as Peter was, as James, as John were that day, Lord God. May you divide yourself again tonight. Maybe a brother or sister or a little family sitting around their computer, Lord, in, in Georgia. Maybe may a family, Lord, up, up in Newfoundland. Maybe over in Montreal. And Lord, the Spirit of God, they feel it right there in their living room right now. May that pillar of fire come right now and baptize that brother, his wife, their children. Lord God, wherever they are, up in Boston, Father, in the name of Jesus, may the pillar fire. Lord God, do this work. Lord, we don't want to just have the knowledge of the truth in our heads. We don't want to just have our heads turned. We want to have our hearts turned, our souls to be born. Lord, don't let not one young man leave this place tonight. One young woman, Lord, the power of the enemy is too strong. Father, Brother West can do his best. I can do my best. Brother Darrell, their mothers, their fathers, but we cannot keep them. It'll take you, Lord. But if they'll ever open up their soul and let you come down in that soul, no matter what the devil does, they'll have that anchor in the time of storm. Praise be to God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come this way tonight, would you? Father, we call on you. We believe you love us just as much as you did them there in that upper room, Lord God. And we say to you tonight, we need you just as much as they did. And we want you, Lord. We don't want you less. We want you more. Lord, we're not sufficient to do this on our own. We call upon your name tonight, Lord Jesus. Come this way, Father God. Hallelujah. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Deliver those that are bound, Father. Do those things that you always do. Hallelujah. The prophet said, people say, well, the days, of, the days of miracles are past. He said, how can you say that? If the days of miracles are past, then the days of God are past. Hallelujah. But the days of God are not past. The days of God are still here. We believe you're a miracle worker. Lord, we've got folks in our church that need healing. We got folks, Lord, that need a touch in their body, a touch in their home. Lord Jesus, pass by the way tonight, Father. Some of them sick, can't even be in the house of God, but they want to be. But may you visit them there tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Grant it, Lord. 
We worship you tonight, Father. We thank you, Lord, for what we see you doing. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, right here last Wednesday night, Brother Louis was supposed to have surgery on Tuesday. It worked out where he couldn't have it. So he'd be able to come to church rather on Wednesday. He told me he just felt like it was the Lord. He was able to come up here and be prayed for. Able to have that surgery on Thursday. Lord, you've been with him every step of the way. He's been doing so good. We thank you for it, Father. We believe you as mindful, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You wanted him to be prayed for, Father. Hallelujah. That's who you are. You're a God of supernatural. You're a God who loves to move for your children, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Can we worship him here tonight, children? Whatever you have need of, let your face pull him near you right there. You need healing? You need deliverance? You need strength? Praise God. Just make your need known like Bartimaeus did years and years ago. Oh, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by, Lord. Come by my way. I need strength. I need courage. I need healing. I need a miracle. I need a move in my home, Lord. Whatever it is, just tell him right here tonight, would you? Just before we go, can we take just a few minutes to reach out to him right now for whatever you need? Praise the Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you now, Lord Jesus. Why don't you reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by? You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. Let your face reach right out right now. It makes no difference how hard, how big it is, or even how small it is. Oh, I sense him right here, right now. Glory to God. I say to these charge of demons, in the name of Jesus, you must bow to the powerful name of our master. You have no hold over God's people. You have no hold. Oh, you come to afflict us. You come to steal our joy. But we say to every imp, every demon in hell, you are defeated by the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Leave the people of God, Satan, I adjure you in the name of the resurrected Son of God. Hallelujah. May sickness go from them. May oppression go from them. May sadness go from them. May insomnia leave them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. May worry leave them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, can we worship him, children? Hallelujah, the mighty God, the mighty God, the resurrection and the life. He's right here to do something for you. Just reach out to him. Let your face touch the border of his garment. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Father. Brother Darrell, won't you come, buddy, and pray over the people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.
Oh, Lord Jesus, tonight, Heavenly Father, oh, God, we call upon your name tonight for the needs of your people, Lord. Father, these things that we have heard in your word this evening, we believe it, dear God, that we are that church, Lord, that you promised you'd restore in this last day, dear God. And, oh, Lord, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, dear God, that you'd come and move among the needs of your people tonight. Oh, God, we call you upon the scene, oh, Lord, and reach out for those, God, that their faith may be not able to reach up there and touch it not. But, Lord, we unite ourselves together as a body upon the earth and call upon your name tonight, dear God, for there is no name like the name of Jesus or that ever knees shall bow and every demon shall fail at the mention of that name dear God and we lift you up in the midst of the people for you said Lord if I be lifted up I'll draw all men unto myself tonight oh Lord God we lift you up in the midst of the people Father may the healing virtue flow tonight God may deliverance flow through the people tonight Lord from one to the other to the other Lord that the love of the almighty God could move upon the hearts of the people Lord that we would take our position in the word and stand upon the promise of this hour dear God we will not be a defeated people, but we will overcome this generation. We will take a body change, oh God. We will lift off of this earth because you have declared it in your word, Lord. And your word will never fail. Kingdoms will fail. Nations will fail. Governments will fail. But the word of God shall never fail us, dear Lord. And you are our healer. And you are our deliverer. And I say to you, Satan, tonight, you're defeated. Your backbone is broken, Calvary. You have no hold on us. You have no hold upon the people of God. We are the overcomers of this hour. We are the overcomers of this day. And we will lift off this earth as evidence that this message was the truth. That Brother Brandon was our messenger. And he restored our hearts back. Grant it tonight, oh God, we pray. May the Holy Ghost fall, Lord, upon every heart tonight. Upon every soul, dear God. And may every person within the sound of our voice receive the Holy Ghost, Lord. Oh God, grant it tonight, Father. Oh, the prophet said you want to heal us a thousand times more than we want to be healed. You want to give us the Holy Ghost even more, God, than we could possibly want it. Father, we yield to that tonight. We yield to your will, Father. Flow through us, Holy Spirit. We're one to the other to the other. Oh, make that eternal circle, Lord. Oh, unite us together by the love of Almighty God. Grant it, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for the fivefold ministry, Lord, that is under attack, God. How Satan wants to destroy him, Lord. But we stand shoulder to shoulder as your soldiers, dear God, on the field. And we draw our sword, Lord. And we will not savor it back into the sheath until every devil is under our feet. Oh, Father, when the prophet was here, he bruised that serpent. But there's a body on the earth, God, that'll cut the head off that snake, God. Oh, Father, we believe it tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus, give us boldness, Lord, to declare the gospel, dear God, to take our place with those who went before us, Lord. Oh, to finish this race, Lord. Oh, the anchor runners are on the scene, dear God. Oh, may we finish the race, Lord. Grant it tonight, Lord Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. But God, there's got to be more, Lord. We need more of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Less of ourselves. Less of our thinking, God. Oh, God. Let our minds, Lord, melt into your mind that it would be one mind. That your thoughts would be our thoughts. That your ways would be our ways. Oh, Father, grant it tonight, Lord. Grant it tonight, Lord Jesus, as you would have the preeminence in the hearts of your people, Lord. 
heal your children tonight, dear God. Lord, you see Brother Brian in the emergency room. May your spirit go to him right now, Lord. Touch him, Father God. Lord, he suffered with those things for years, but let it end tonight, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. May they be astounded, dear God, as he walks from their well, because you are our healer, Lord. How we praise you for it tonight, Lord God. Blessed be your holy name. Oh, God. Sister Asher going for surgery in the morning, God. God, the doctor's hands, Lord, even before they can even touch her, Lord, you're able to open every vessel in her heart, Lord. That's the kind of God that we serve. We love you tonight, Lord. We believe you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, hear our humble cry. Grant it, Lord Jesus, tonight. Move for my brother, move for my sister, Lord. They're not heavy. They're not heavy, Lord. They're my brother. They're my sister, Lord. Move for them tonight, we pray, Father. In Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? Just lift up your hands and receive it tonight. Say, Lord, I receive it tonight, Lord. What you want to give me, what you want to do for me, God. I receive it tonight in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, how we love you, Lord. How we love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. He is our peace who hath broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace. Thank you, Lord. Our peace who hath broken down every Oh. Uh. 
so thankful. I'm so thankful for a word that takes us back to the original. And I appreciate the word so much, but I also want that fire, don't you, that fell on that day of Pentecost. Let's sing about that, Lord. Let the fire fall tonight. Just sing this a little bit before we go. Lord, we are the ones called by your name. We humble ourselves now as we pray, renouncing every sin and wicked way. We lift our voice, we seek your face and say, Hey. 
comfort, you're my shelter, a tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I, can you give him your all tonight? Never cease to worship you. So thankful for the word tonight. Just remember the services this weekend. Be praying for our pastor and the many, many requests that we had tonight. Let's, let's remember these folks as we go. Just be in prayer for the services. Let's just sing that some more as we're dismissed tonight. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. Mm, you're my 
comfort you're my shelter a tower of refuge and strength